Regina Nissan, presenting sponsor of Off the Hustle Podcast. This month, you can get into the all-new Nissan during the Find Your Thrill event. Finance the all-new 2022 Nissan Sentra at 3.9% for 60 months. Or check out and pre-order the redesigned 2022 Nissan Pathfinder. Make sure to head on down to Regina Nissan at 1111 Broad Street, Regina, Saskatchewan, or visit them online at reginanissan.ca. Your starting lineup, Turner Ripplinger, Troy Koser, Tori Coglin, and your host, Drew Koser. Presented by Nissan Regina, here is the Off the Huzzle Podcast. Hey everybody, we're back to another episode of Off the Hosel, episode 113. My name is Drew Koser. I'm your host, joined by my brother, the original co-host, Troy, today as well. Down south, we head of the border, as always, to our good friend, Tori Coglin. No Turner, as he was on a flight today to England, as he's now joined the Guilford Flames in that hockey league over there. So, no Turner, but we got Troy. And Tori, this podcast, as we've said in the past, is now a D and three T's. But today we got one D and two T's. So, boys, what's up? How bad would that flight suck? How long do you think that flight would be? 10 hours? hours. I think it's seven. I don't know. I don't know. Way off right now. All of us. I don't know. (laughs) Forever. Text him. I feel like it was probably like 10 10 hours, 10 or more. Brutal. Not no thanks. Crazy. Definitely not. No. I'm not. Well, I'm fuck. Crazy. Think it's three. It's three to Toronto, and then yeah, you got know. Toronto over there. That's that's a ways. I'm a straight shot. Three hours south. That's that's good for me. Mexico, Palm Springs, there. So over the pond. Not it's so only much. three hours of Palm Springs. It's two hours and forty minutes. Two hours thirty-eight minutes to be exact. Really? Yeah. As I depart, like April. here to there. Yes. Well, oh. I fly. No, you fly to Calgary and then down. So April twenty-first, I will be gone for two weeks. So. uh Gonna use my new tailor mates. I'm excited. Have a time. Have a time. Okay. Well, before we go on too far here, I'll rip off a Nissan ad. Mentioned this is a Nissan driven podcast. Number one place at next vehicle, oil changer, any vehicle related needs. Located on 1111 Broad Street in Regina, Saskatchewan. It's time today to make the switch to drive Nissan. All right, man. Tori, Troy, what's up? What's happening here? What's going on? I got a broken down car. Think <laughs> my life is so good right now, man. It's fucking unreal. Well, that's all. I'm just gonna leave it right at that. But everyone's healthy. We'll we'll keep it right there and awesome. count our blessings. That's exactly had some right. dope homemade pizza tonight. That was really good. Yeah. Okay. Oh yeah. A little heavy on the banana peppers, but that's all right. That's okay. I'll feel good in the morning. Oh yeah. Bad day to be a toilet. Yeah, no kidding. It'll be a bad morning. You might have to use a snowball to wipe your ass, but yeah, sounds pretty good. (laughs) If I could find some snow, that'd be nice. Troy, what's up? Work, brother. Hey, but I made it two weeks in a row, right? That is that is a positive. That's a bonus. Even dad on a heater. Yeah, I'm on a heater. Even even dad said he goes, Holy shit, you joined the podcast last week. I said, (laughs) Yeah, I didn't work that day. I said, I'm gonna make it to this one too. So uh no. 
got a few days off. Come hang out with you guys here and talk a little sports, a little golf. And uh, the one thing I did notice though last week, since you missed it, you were super quiet. So yeah, talk right into that spot in the mic there. Oh, the secret spot. The secret spot. The hot spot. I got to move it like that. I don't know. Yeah, right I'll, just, outside. I'll just talk louder because I got this big mic in my mouth. No. Troy was in a tough spot last week, though, because we both know Cobes pretty well. So we you probably know, talked over him quite a bit. I was telling it, I was yeah. telling Drew Tory though, that it was actually really cool doing that pod with Colin. Uh, I'd never met the man at all, but I could just tell what kind of influence he's been on. Uh, well, I'm going to say local golfers, right? I mean, yeah. just the way he is so calm, you know. And what did he say? What was his saying? He said, uh, hit, it. Hit, hit your ball, hit, hit it, hit it, find, find it. it and hit it again. Yeah. And I'm, like I said, that's going to be my new mantra this summer. So <laughs> see what happens. Yeah, no, I was just trying to say in the intro and the post pre post show, he was just, he was quieter and that might've been just been the mic. He's on a new mic today. So, and it's been a while. He's just getting the rust off the boots, you know, has been a, has been a while. I got a little dirt on my boots. I'm really good at singing. I don't know if you the guys accent, knew that. Or not. It's that southern accent. He'd be on that show, uh, America's Worst Talent. You'd be up. <laughs> you'd be runner up in that for sure. I've got way worse talents than that. We're not going to go into that though. <laughs> Mayonnaise truck. Okay, uh, let's, oh. let's let's get into sports. I called it last week, and I was right. Not really a dark horse though. We talked about this on the phone today, but I said Cam Smith would win the the players. He did. Um, how are you? I didn't put any money on him, so Is idiot. It, isn't it funny? Troy, Go ahead. I, I got to take this one. You picked a fucking dark horse that go. I looked it up today after you and I talked. He was number nine in the world <laughs> on the planet horse. Earth, the number nine golfer. And, hey. and he was your dark horse? So here's what I said to you on the phone today, and I'll say it again now. When we and Troy were sitting here looking at the leaderboard, I picked Zal Torres. I, I thought it was funny. He was in second place. And then I went down to the leaderboard, and he hadn't teed off yet. I said, oh, Cam Smith's going to win. I wouldn't say he's a dark horse. I'm just saying that was a good guess. Whoa, whoa, whoa. First of all, if you had, a, if you had those like the opposite direction, that would have been fine. Second of all, you just admitted you looked at the leaderboard <laughs> and saw Zal Torres was so when T1, I told you, you that, I said, Will, I said, Will Zal Torres. And then you're like, wait a minute. And you and Troy said someone, he's like, wait a minute. You looked into the list right now? I'm like, no, 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 no. And then I went down to the very bottom of the leaderboard. It was like tee off 230 central. Oh, okay. okay. Oh, yeah. And I just said Cam that, Smith. So Yeah, that sounds totally legit, man. It's it's cool. Tori had a dark horse. I don't even know the guy's name still. Sorry. But how did he do? Lee Hodges. How did Lee do? Made the cut. That's good. Got a paycheck. Man, fuck yeah. you. How about you just say that? How about you just say congrats and good job of picking Cam Smith to win the tournament without even – I just guessed a random name. Yeah, congrats on picking a top 10 player <laughs> in the world is a dark, dark horse. Hey, Tori, for the Masters in April, I'm going to take um, – oh, I'm going to take Bubba Walker. I, no, I don't know. Who's number one in the world right now? Well, it's a new year. Is it Dustin still? Rom. Rom? Yeah, I'm taking Rom. That's my dark horse. <laughs> I'm going to take Bubba yeah. Watson. What is he yeah. in the world? I'll take I'll take Rory as my dark horse. Come on, stat guy. You're the new stat guy now. But, you know, guys, it was cool. Like I, I took answer and he was he was right up there most of the tournament, right? Yeah, he was doing well. I don't know if I should be looking at you, Drew, across the table or at the computer. So it doesn't matter. This one doesn't doesn't even go on YouTube, so it's perfect. Oh, okay, good. So then I can talk forever. You. Yeah. No, uh, I took answer there. He he played really well Thursday and Sunday when they started the second round or whatever it was. Like, my God, what a long tournament. Didn't finish till Monday night. Um, but but that being said, 
is it Valspar this weekend, right? So it yeah. starts tomorrow. So there's only yeah. went three days off for these guys. Yeah. And I saw that Cam Smith already said, thanks, but no thanks. We're tired. We're not playing. So he He's, won't be part of Valspar, but. Yeah, yeah just made 3.6 sheets. How are you? I'm sure he could take a couple of days off. Yeah. Yeah. No, good tournament though. We had, uh, I seen one hole in one, one hole in one. Was it Leichman? Leichman? I don't know. Leichman? I saw 10,000 golf holes in the water though. So I have free. It was a lot of golf holes. That one day was so windy. Yeah, I know. <laughs> but the thing though too, did you see how many guys on, because we can't go traditional Sunday because it was played out over so many days, but the third and fourth round, guys that were in contention were just attacking that pin on 17. Like it was oh, crazy. Yeah. Like, yeah, my dark horse see- stuck one in like side six feet, so. Um, Y'all see that video on, uh, on online. It was, uh, on hole 18, 50 balls in the water and one club. Yeah. Who threw the who, I can't remember who it was though, but he said, he said on Twitter, it slipped. Someone but, tweeted after it's like, uh, I'm pretty sure the PGA was like, and he's one club down for the week or whatever it was yeah. like, <laughs> I missed that shit. I can't remember who it was, but it was funny regardless. Yeah, there's a couple guys that didn't play very well. Like Dick story, Tori. Who is it? DJ was last I looked, he was plus three into the final round. I'm just like, oh yeah, he's shaking the rust off, I guess. I don't know. But yeah, good for Cameron Smith. Him in his ugly mullet. Made the cut. In his bleached uh mustache. Kind of looks like you, Drew, if you had a mullet right now, actually. Sweet. If you if you shaved your somewhat of a beard thing you got going on there, just left the mustache mullet. You'd be, look, be you'd be look just like him, yeah. All right, I like that. And he's a winner. Tori and I don't have the uh, capabilities. We couldn't even combine both of the head hair on our heads to get that mullet. So, nope. But, yeah, <laughs> for sure, Tori couldn't. Well, I, I can I can take care of the back if you can get the front. I'll give you some of my tit hair. <laughs> <laughs> Funny thing about, right. about my back but is <laughs> that that was a fun player. So I'm actually shocked that it didn't come down closer because there for a while there was like. 10 guys within two or three shots it was it was looking juicy for a while who was this but the smith went mental second. who's the guy that finished that he uh, i could be wrong please don't shit on me but i believe he's east indian i don't know oh lahari yes where did Anna barn lahari where did he lahari. come from is he the guy that missed the pot for ninety? he's from india he missed that, that six footer for like 97 grand never had one of those i don't know about you no, but I, I'm pretty sure he missed. Uh, it, was, it, was, it, the guy, it was either him or the guy in third missed like a six footer, and it was like ninety seven thousand dollars and and change that he missed. That if he made it, he would have made that money. But he played some good golf. I'll tell you that and right he, now. And a smile on his face the whole time. Yeah, I loved it. I loved his attitude. Sort of like that. There, there, Tori. There's your traditional dark horse right there. Right. Yeah, that's, that's a that would have been a good one. Where well, he wasn't in, he wasn't T one, so Drew didn't pick him. Hey. Cam Smith never even teed off that day. So regardless, he's not a dark horse that I said to you on the phone today and on the podcast. I just said that I picked him and it was ironic that he won and kicked me in the head because I didn't put money on him. So yeah. anyways, Valspar this weekend. What else we got here? We got, uh, I know we have some hockey talk, of course. Trade deadline. Uh, no, we're coming up. Valspar is being played. No, why don't you tell me? Tampa, Innisbrook. That is incorrect, Tori. Paul. Am I? Yeah, I'm looking at it right now. Palm Harbor, Florida is the Valspar Championship. Innisbrook Resort, the Copperhead course. Yeah, it's Copperhead Road. Well, I'm just giving you the exact location. Google Maps. The- What's the postal code or zip code? I don't know what that is, but a lot of big names in this tourney again, too. I mean, 
answer. We got Vegas, St. Herman, Zach Johnson. Actually, there was a video of Zach Johnson from this, the players. What the hell did he do? Oh, did, what, did you guys see that? Where he, yeah, again. he teed off and it just shot off this end of his club into the... How many times does that no, guy get to hey, do that? Golf guys, question for you. Tori and Drew, is that a one-shot penalty? No, because they no. said it's a practice swing. But like he's done it like a hundred times, I feel like. So like when no no it? intent to hit the ball. Okay, that swing was pretty hard which, though. Which oh. is a new it that's a new rule. It didn't used to be like that. Yeah, because Mike Weir did that one time when he was a junior. I read it in his book. And so he said after that he never got even close to the ball when he practiced swung. Yeah, but like how many times can can Zach Johnson do this? I, you know, I, I like Zach Johnson, but like I swear, like you've done this like 15 times. He's well, it's, like, it's like PK Subban slew foot. That's not a slew foot, according to PK. No. No, no intent the players, there. Last thing about the players, fellas, I don't know if you guys seen it roaming around social media. I did, not going to lie. Got a little weepy-eyed near the end of it. Did you guys happen oh. to catch the clip of Brooks Kepka when he was playing with the uh, 12-year-old boy with the uh, rare form of cancer? Uh, I saw this. No, I yeah, I saw the clip, yeah. Maybe we'll put it up on our, well, if you want, put it up on our on our Twitter page or whatnot, but Basically, this boy has been through hell. Uh, diagnosed with this rare form of cancer, 66 rounds of chemo. Uh, favorite golfer is Brooks Kepka. Kepka brought him out on Wednesday to play around the whole round with him at the players. Kid can actually golf too, which is quite impressive. Um, Kepka goes on to say, Who's your, I hear you're a big uh, NFL fan. Who's your favorite team? Cleveland, Cleveland Browns. It's not the kid's fault. And uh, who's your favorite quarterback? Baker Mayfield. So what does Kepka do? I think it was on the seventh hole. He FaceTimes because him and uh, Baker Mayfield are really good friends. FaceTimes Mayfield and the kid sitting there. He's like, he, he was just lost. It was crazy, actually. But Holy shit. You know, and then it, it gets pretty emotional at the end because the mom comes on and she's in tears about what means know, the world Kepka probably. did for this kid that, I mean. I'm, these these yeah. guys, they're, they're such, there's so many stories that we don't hear. You know, like there was the great one with Gary Woodland yeah. with the the with challenged the girl, girl yeah. at the waste management last year, or the year before, two years ago, and last year he's done it the yeah. last two years with her. Yeah, yeah, it, and like, but they they do stuff like that all the time. Like just about every one of them has a charity event, you know, for you know kids or cancer or heart disease, you know, just about anything. But um, there's a lot that we don't we don't hear about. Anyway, sorry, I just wanted to. That is true. Throw that out That's there. a great story. Pretty touching video, actually. So, especially in today today's world, where a guy could use a little smile on his face, you know. So. Yep. Uh, okay. What else we got here, man? Well, big big shout out for the Leafs. I was just gonna. I was just gonna say. When we talk with Mister Matthews and his. Not so clean hit. <laughs> oh, two games. I'll tell you right now. That's <laughs> brutal. They're getting ten if it wasn't Matthews. Dude, when I when I heard two games, I I laughed. I'm <laughs> sure Matthews did too. Why? Yeah. He, he's not a repeat offender. It's his first time. Cross check. That's exactly why it's only two. But see now here, do I like what he did? No. Did Darlene? If you watch, does he does he pull back a bit so it looks like it rides up a little bit? But number one, I don't like what happened, what he did. I think it was dirty play. Two, let's give Dolling some credit, though, for standing in there. That guy did not go down at all. Oh, dude. Yeah, he took it like a man. champ. He's a man. He's 40. He's a man. I'd be, I'd be six feet deep right now. 
yeah. if, if he did that to me. So, and, and let's not forget, Matthews isn't a small guy either. He's a big boy. He's a big dude. Yep. Well, not, not to give anything away yet, but we'll have to ask our guests that question tonight. Yeah. About, uh, oh, yeah. About Matthews. So I just, and we're going to talk to him about that stuff too today. I don't know. I just, I didn't like the cross check. Two games. I don't know. I, I literally said two games. Um, if it's Brad Marchand, he probably gets 10 because he's done so many things over and over time. PK Subban probably gets a slap. I don't know. Like, I mean, yeah. certain guys get certain it things. Gets PK Subban gets nothing. It yeah. all depends what kind of mood George Peros is in that day, I guess. Right. It's true. Or he's in a looking go, Kid, did I do that? No, I just punched him in the nose 15 times. Yeah. So what he did, Matthews was, could have argued that he was going for the shoulder. And that's what I thought. Could but, have. I mean, that might've been his case. So back, back, let's yeah. Leafs talk here a little bit. Cause you know, Tori's a big fan of them. Sure. Absolutely. Campbell's out, right? He's out for three weeks. Is that what I heard? He's got some rib thing going on, right? Yeah, something like that. So who is there? Is it Peter Mrazczyk? Mrazczyk. 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 Are you scared? Are they going to make a move from deadline time? They brought in a rookie goalie, and it was his first NHL start, and he got a shutty his first game. So Oilers need to find a guy like that. Might might have solved the the goaltending problems. Knock on wood. Well, we got deadline coming up next week? Monday, Monday. Like this coming Monday? Yep. Yep. What are the Leafs going to do? <laughs> Hopefully not <laughs> fuck up. Well, Kyle Dubas said, said that before, they... I'll say it again. A, a, a D-man and, and someone with grit up front. And people think I'm crazy for saying this, but I say Marner for either Kachuk brother. You can laugh at me all you want. No. but Well, well one, yeah, I... one they won't trade from Calgary because they're going to potentially be in the cup final this year. And... They that's won't actually Ottawa was the... and Brady's Ottawa's like, yeah, but that's actually a really good, that, 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 that trade makes sense for Brady. That right? one does. You're moving down the road to Ottawa, but you're also getting Murner and a ton rebuild, of draft picks. Probably you're a rebuilding team. <clears throat> Excuse me. You got the money to take all well, the who's contract. getting the draft picks. <clears throat> I think that's a straight up one for one. Who's getting the draft picks? One for one. That, yeah, and the Leafs, the Leafs free up cap space, which allows them to go pursue after another D man. Yeah. Well, Kyle Dubas did say that they have room for one guy at the deadline, but now it might have changed. Miko Koskinen, Mike Smith, pack your bags. Two for one. <laughs> Two oh, for soup. I didn't want to talk with Oilers. Like Jesus Christ. Pardon my, yeah, I shouldn't say it on the air, but I'll right. tell you right now. We're up 4-1. 4-1 on Detroit. First period. Four. I, I wasn't even home to watch first period last night. I go walking the dog. <laughs> I come home. I'm like, holy shit. They put four in the net already. Four to one. Huh. Walking apart. <sighs> was the final score? Six, five. Nice. Detroit scores five goals in the third period. And I'm like, oh yeah, here we go. Here we go. Like, yeah. I can't talk. The Leafs blew two, four, one leads in like two weeks. Hey, so. you know what though, Troy? I they don't know. They asked how many and they got two points that night. So you yeah. take them when you can. You're it's right. two points. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But you know what the bad thing is? We play Buffalo tomorrow, and they've already announced that Mike Smith's playing, so I'm just like, not good. Mike Y'all Smith, hear that? Go ahead. And the, the, uh, they, they were talking on um, one of the hockey podcasts. He was um, Daryl Sutter after one of the games. They're like, what did you take away from that game? And he goes, two points. <laughs> I love Daryl Sutter. You, when you win, you – you take two points. If you lose in overtime, you take one point. And if you lose, you get zero. So we took home two points. That's his what we best. took away. His interview there so day about the uh, Colorado Avalanche. I might have done an audio clip. Like literally he's like, 
I don't know if uh, you want to play Colorado in the first round because that, that's a waste of eight days. If you're an, <laughs> if you're an underdog team. How long has Colorado uh, got McKinnon out for? I thought he's back already. Is he back? I thought he was out. I don't know. They're a wagon even with him. No comment, him. but how they just picked up Manson yesterday. <laughs> for yeah. Jost. Sasky boy. Oh, not for Jost. Jost got traded for Sturm. And Sturm they got, yeah. Vegas, Third. the wheels are falling off the bus there big time. I saw a tweet today. Jack Eichel's a new Taylor Hall. I saw that too. <laughs> Who knows? He'll, he'll figure it out. Chandler Stevenson's got them. Isn't that they cool? just need, need to leave Chandler on that think, yeah. number one center role. Let Eichel take line two. Boom. Yeah. But, dude, Manson, Colorado is a problem. <laughs> like, yeah, but you know what, Tori? The thing is, if they don't essentially win the Stanley Cup, they're a failure. They're so stacked. So is everyone. No, not Colorado stacked. That team is deep. Colorado is six and five and six team at Ryan Murray and Eric Johnston. Yeah. That's disgusting. Yeah, I think I think Johnson and Johnson. Or Johnson and Johnson. Ryan Murray's playing I think, six, I think, with someone. Oh, who's this? Oh, uh Devontae's. Isn't Devontae's yeah. there? Devontae's is uh two. Do you guys mean Devin? Or are you just trying no, to Devo- Devontae's, Devontae's, he came from the Islanders. Oh, okay. He's two? He's playing with Sammy Gerard? Yeah, he's he's first line D. No, Makar's first line D. Yeah, he's playing he's playing with Makar. Okay, well who's playing with Tazen? Oh fuck. Never mind. No, 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 no. Taze and Ta- Murray. No, Devon Taves is playing with Makar. Okay, so then it's Gerard. Johnson and Johnson are, are five six. The vaccine. I don't know. Johnson and Johnson. And then or yeah. baby shampoo. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> For all your <laughs> powder, that was good. And then uh, Ryan Murray. Okay, so Murray's. Anyways, their defense is stacked. It doesn't matter. Colorado and Nazem Kadri is going to do something stupid in the first round of playoffs. He always does, but he's having a hell of a year. So, I still think Colorado, Florida in the cup. Wow, we got it. We got Colorado, a nickname: the Johnson and Johnson. Tampa the, the... Bay's not even in the cup again. No, they're so good. Colorado, Florida. I'm calling it here. I, I said it months ago. Florida's too good of a team. They're just so underrated, undervalued because no one sees it in the market up here. They are good. They are so good. Sasha out there buzzing around. Barkov. You heard it here first, March 16th. Colorado, Florida. In the cup, Florida wins in six games. Wrong. I don't know. I don't even know if this can happen. Speaking of six games, I'm going to cut you off there, Drew. Congrats again. Tori, you. you nailed it. Six games for the Prairie Storm. No, nope, not Prairie Storm. Pilot Butte Storm. Sorry, Pilot Butte Storm. Yep. Pilot Butte Storm when it's used to be called the Prairie Storm. No, never. What? In 21 years. No. Used to be called we'll have to edit that. Traveland RV and the Triple Seven. <laughs> and now just get, where did I get Prairie Storm for, from? I don't know. Prairie Pilot. Oh, anyways, congrats again, though. Uh, beat, uh, <clears> thank Fox you. There. Yeah. So we take down the Fort and six. Boys won four straight. Now you got a big, big battle starting tomorrow, Friday night, I guess, right? Yeah. I wouldn't say a big, big battle, but it's going to be a battle. We're excited. You, you want to hear it, Troy? What's that? I already told Drew. I seen your thing on uh, his. Post last yep. night there in six again. Yep, they're winning in six. Hope they tough, do. Tough, tough one on Friday night, but that's okay because they're going to win three straight after that. Oh, he's already calling for a big L on Friday. <laughs> yeah, win. thanks, bud. Appreciate it. Well, I'm I, just, I hope. I actually, I'm just letting you know what happens because I, I right, let though, you know what happened last series. What if we win again? Knock on wood, and you're right, and then we just we create a bar, uh, not a bar stool, an off the hustle sports book, and then you're just like running all the bets now. 
Yeah. <laughs> no, I got to tell you something, Tori. I don't know if Drew told you this. He was telling me off the air. Um, if the storm beat the Regina Capitals, it'd be the, what did you say? They're going to. Your, your phone's going to be off the hook. The people are going to be phoning you going, hey, let's get this kid to coach because it's, he's a first year head coach. You guys haven't beat Fort Knox in seven years, right? Mm -hmm. Yep. And Capitals has been a long time. I know that. No long time. I think caps a while, but the last team to last team to beat the Regina Capitals was when I was playing my first year. Yeah, so the first you would round. Have been seventeen. Eighteen, yeah. Eighteen years old. So you're twenty-five. Yeah. Six, yeah. Thanks. Six? Yeah. He old fuck. Really? I know. I'm north on the north side of the thirty here. It's intense. Wow. Twenty-six. Wow. Anyways, keep up the good work. Keep the boys hungry. Keep them going. So yeah, I'm no, gonna have to do good. some. I'm gonna have to do some digging on the Quakers. Because I, I told Drew, I said if they were playing the Saskatoon Royals, because they were they were a wagon when I was a kid. I said the Royals are going to smoke you guys. Unfortunately, in the Saskatoon's pile. got three teams, though, right? They got Quakers, Royals, three teams and in the Blazers, same rank, which is no crazy. Royals, or, Quakers, Wesley's. Wesley's. The Blazers aren't there anymore, and the Blazers are the, the AAA team. All in the Blazers triple. It's Wesley's if they still have them. I don't yeah, know. but all when I was a kid, that was the three rank, teams. Because you play okay. Blazers, yeah, that's the same league I'm talking here, right? No, AAA. Oh right, three right, junior right, right. B teams, Sorry, yeah, my one bad. triple. Yeah, my bad. Okay, who's the strong team in the in the north? Well, the Quakers just beat the Royals in six last night. Oh, so they got a long road trip, eh? <laughs> yeah, they have to. Just, they, you should see what happens though. It's, just it's, switch it's, fucking dressing rooms. It's hilarious. What? No, so they have their own rooms and all the same rink. It's hilarious though. So they'll they'll walk over to Tenley Box before the game starts. So, so let's just say the Quakers are home game one. It's home and away, but game two now they'll change the home sign and flip it around. So it says visitors, and then, which is you need last change and I, all this stuff. So it's actually comical. But uh, the Saskatoon teams, unfortunately, it's yellow T-shirt night lots there, even when I play for the Blazers. What do you mean? Well, they have yellow stands, and not many people come to the games. Oh, really? Well, you have the Blades, and you have the Rush, and you just – it's hard to get people out there. Plus, you have Delisle, who's 10 minutes from Saskatoon. You have – COVID. Three – What's <laughs> COVID, dude? Three Saskatoon so teams and two AAA teams. So, And the Huskies. There's your junior hockey wrap up. Yeah. Brought to you by Taylor <laughs> Mango. People are Long probably just short, punching themselves in the face right start now. Start Friday night in Regina. Take on the caps. Should we get some go, coming boys. out? Short drive. Either way, 10 minutes to get the Richie, 10 minutes to get to the Palapute Rec Center. Still playing at the Richie? It's all brand new now and there. Tori, how familiar are you with Regina Ranks? Uh unfamiliar. We never I, I never once played in Regina. Are you from Saskatoon? Too busy playing house hockey or what? Yeah, no. We all our tournaments were in small towns like Prudhoe, nah, Aberdeen, true. Delisle, Allen. Allen was my favorite rink ever. Wow, what a rink that is! I got to tell you a quick story. It's not junior hockey related. It's Troy Coaster hockey related. So we're going way back. Best rink in the city by far, Al Ritchie. Probably one of my favorite rinks I've ever played in. Really? I had the game of my life there. I'll never forget. Uh, AW was down from Medicine Hat. Auntie Wendy, oh. uh, I put up a, I put on a show that night, and I'll never forget it. I was midget, I believe it was. Anyways, they, I loved it in the rafters. They got all those foam pads. Yeah. So I don't know what Saskatoon's aquatic center is. I don't know what it's called. Like we have the lost in here, but you know those big uh, four by six foam pads you could float on, like when you uh -huh. swimming lessons. Well, they yeah. have they have three hundred of them in the roof, all in in each rafter for sounding. It's for sound deadening, hey. And they're all different colors. I don't. It's a shit rink, but it's got the best ice surface in the city, in my opinion. Really? In yeah, my I, opinion. I hated it. 
but now they changed it now. So now they have none of those anymore now. And now they're all behind the walls now. They actually have them up there still, though? Behind I'm the gonna walls. have to go check it out. I, I, I haven't been to the Richie since you were playing for the Foxes. So, but anyways, storm three night. Uh, okay, <laughs> let's go to uh, what do you want to go to? Our guest, or what? I don't know. What we'll, else you got, Tori? I haven't seen your ugly mug in a week, so I'm but I'm, I'm good. How's the, how's the puzzling going? You know, I, I actually, uh, with going up to Canada and then all you know coming back here and the flood stuff i haven't touched a puzzle piece in uh since i got Last back from california so when you're down in cali right yeah you going back there are you are you staying putting it home there for a while i think our should be hopefully in the next couple months i hope i hate well, being gone from home but i like uh like paydays well the reason i was asking is because something that we didn't touch base on when you go back down to cali you get to watch yourself some baseball they ratified their deal there, I believe, the day after my rant about mm-hmm. the strike. How's a bump? Boom. We'll Pretty take sure it. The commissioner of MLB was listening to our podcast. Oh, He's like, yeah. we, should, we should sign a deal. No, yeah, he was for sure. Robbie Manfred. Yeah, he was. Thanks, Robbie. Thank uh, you. No, they're, they're back. The boys are back. Uh, baseball, I'm excited. That's what I got going on, actually. One thing I've been studying heavily for my. Yeah, you love this baseball. This is my seventeenth or eighteenth year in uh, our fantasy baseball league, so I've been. He's like Brennan from uh, Step Brothers. Hey, what do you do, Brennan? <laughs> I manage baseball team. I manage baseball team. Oh, little, little league? league? No fantasy. <laughs> hey, we should do a March Madness. Okay. You know what? I would be all over it. I just don't know anything about college basketball, which is probably a good thing because that's why I would win. I would just put Baylor and Duke to be in the final. That's that's what I would like. I... Does Coach K still coach the team there in Duke, or no? Is he done? Yeah, this is last year. Hey, before we jump into March Madness. Oh, Tom Brady. Hold on a sec. We got to backtrack here. We have a little bit of time and forget the pod. Let's backtrack here. Sorry. I'm not here that often. Let's have a little chit chat. So baseball's back. Did you guys see the? I'm not a Blue Jays fan, as you can tell. Big Red Sox fan. Uh, They made a big trade today. I don't know if anybody caught wind of it. I saw a tweet. I saw Sid's tweet. He was fired up. No? Anybody? No? I just. Anyways, they acquired Matt Chapman from Oakland. Which is a vector machine, all star third baseman, 25 home run annual. Like Oakland A's love trading with Toronto because the last big trade they sent Toronto was a third baseman in the name of Josh Donaldson. Yeah. We all know him, bringer of rain, right? Donaldson actually just signed yesterday with the New York Yankees. He's going to be their new third baseman. Wow. So <sighs> because the strike, yeah, I know, because the strike's over now, free agency is crazy right now. There's guys moving left and right. Just before we started recording, Chris Bryant, everyone knows who that is, third baseman, signed with Colorado. Colorado. $26 million a year for... Fuck, is that a lot of money? Eight years. How many years was it? Eight, I think it's eight years. I, I thought it was eight years, like 162 or something like that. Yeah, $26 something just... million a year. And you know what? Tori, you've been to Colorado before, I'm assuming? Yeah. I've been there. The altitude, that boy's going to hit some more home runs. I'll tell you right now, that ball's going to be flying out of the park. So, yeah. baseball's back. Really Still excited. Pretty... He's only been in the league for six years. Bryant? No. So, yeah. I bet you if you Google it right now, it's this will be your eight, eight, nine, or ten. I'm going to say nine. This is probably your nine. You can Google it if you want. I will. We'll wait. Because I remember being I remember being at the hospital with uh, Jenna, and, and there was a ESPN magazine with an article about him. He, he's not been in for very long. Okay, I'm going to change my answer to eight years then. Okay. <laughs> That's my that's my final answer. Watch, it's gonna be nine or ten. 
But yeah, while you're doing, but while you're doing some fact checking, yeah, baseball's back. Spring training games start tomorrow. I'm pumped. I know exactly what I'm doing. Sitting in front of the TV, going to watch a couple ball games. Um, friend of mine is down there right now in Arizona. Priest governing? No, he goes every year for spring training. So he actually thought he was getting the shit end of the stick because they weren't playing. But he'll actually get to see a few games before he flies back home. So uh, nice. What do you got, Chris, there, Corey? Chris Bryan is will be in year six. He started in 2015. The year my daughter was born. I, I remember reading the damn seven. magazine for some reason in the hospital. This would be your seven. That's what I just said. You said Clown. six. You said six. No, he's played six years. This will be a seventh. Yeah. You know, okay. Well, yeah, you win. Okay. It seems a lot longer. But that's like saying McDavid. How many years have you been in the league? On top of your head. Boom. Go. Six years. How many, Tori? Five years. Six years. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go seven. I'm going to seven too. You'd never think he's been there seven years. Where did he start at 18 or 19? 18 years old. He's 20. He's a 97 born. So I'm 95 born. Anyways, I'm just saying it's, 19, it's funny how fast time goes for these professional athletes and you don't think that they're, they've been around that long. So Drew's still counting. Yes, you had mentioned Tom Brady. Eight years. Eight years. Okay. Tom Brady. Yeah. What is it? Less than a month and a half? 40. Well, it was the day he said he was coming back was 40 days. Here's the thing, though, before you go and carve him one. I'm not carving. I'm just, I'm he just... never, ever, ever mentioned the word retirement, ever. He never said the word retirement. Didn't he say he's done, though? Never said the word retirement. He's done. He wanted to take some hold time on, okay, off to hold, be hold with on. his family. Okay, his but then, then and, why are people in, in other media outlets are saying people like uh, Michael Jordan? Who else did it? Who else came back and played? Magic Johnson. But Magic that was Johnson. because of certain circumstances. Mario but, Lemieux. Mario Lemieux, yeah. Uh, don't you can't Tiger put Woods. you can't put him in the Michael Jordan like Michael Jordan left for like a year and a half or 12 four, 24 months what it was yeah. 14 months he was barely gone a month and a half well I guess what it comes down to is I think Tori you might agree with me he said he was done he never said he was retiring I want to spend some time with my wife and kids it lasted 40 days and he said fuck I got to go back to work because I can't sit at home anymore I'm going nuts <laughs> <laughs> you know what though good for him though to play 16, is it 16 or 20? Was it 23 seasons? Yes, sir. I that is so. bananas to play 23 seasons of a professional athlete at the best, best levels football he can. Hey, and he's still one of the best. Let's <laughs> yeah, let, crazy. Let's play a fun game with Drew. Okay. You don't answer, Tori. Who did okay. Tom Brady replace? The oh, New England Patriots. Fuck, I don't know. I know like 12 football players. Tori and I will know. <laughs> but anyway, I still remember watching. Drew Bledsoe was his name. Drew Bledsoe. I know Drew Brees. Matt Stafford, Tom Brady, uh, Peyton Manning, Eli Manning. Okay, those two are retired. Uh, Dan Marino. Retired. I only know him from uh, the movie uh, Ace Ventura. Ace Ventura. Um, who else is there? I can't even name 10 guys. Oh, um, Reggie Bush, retired. Reggie Bush, right? Holy like shit. Four or five years ago. Um, You're just naming Ray, Will <laughs> Ray Williams, played for the Dolphins. Knew that. That's I'm incorrect. He played for the Baltimore Ravens. Ray Williams. I have a jersey. It says Ray Williams on it. No, that's number 34 you're thinking yeah. of, who also played in the CFL. I'm pretty sure who you're thinking of is Ray Lewis He's, for Baltimore. Ray Lewis played for Baltimore. Yeah. You're thinking of... Uh, Ray Williams? Or Roy, Roy Williams? What's his name? Come on, help me Roy out. Roy Williams. No, you the running fucking back. What's his Roy Williams is a basketball coach for running UNC. Back. What are we talking about? Miami. You both don't know this answer right now. Running back, number 34 for Miami, Williams. R. Dot Williams. He came up to the oh, uh, uh Oh, my God. He, he played for Texas. Um, Ray... Uh, no, it's I no. hope it's Ray. 
I hope it's Ray that you're not. It's not Ray. Is it Roy? Roger. Guys, quit talking to my ear and I'll think of it. Oh, Donovan McNabb. I know him. And I know, uh, What's that guy's name? Rick, Ricky Williams. Ricky, Ricky Williams. Williams. Oh, super close. The newest star with an R, though. Yeah. Um, who else is there? See, anyway, I, I know like 10 guys. So, anyways, like the Tom best Brady running back of college history almost. Tom, Tom Brady, <laughs> speaking of college, is that sweater on its way yet? No, not yet. Okay, good. We'll check in next week. <laughs> I, I thought about it today, though. But Tom Brady is the king of drama, right? I and mean, he's a winner. He, and he's a winner. Like he. I'm Aaron sure Rogers. he knew that. I'm honest. I, I, I believe he knew he was coming back one more season. And yeah. He said he had unfinished business. And actually, I want to say one other thing about Tom Brady, but I just totally lost my train of thought. We have to hurry up. Why do we got to hurry up? We got to interview His wife's a rocket. Tori says, <laughs> what, who's he married to? Oh, Gris- Griselda or Gris- Giselle. He's also my <laughs> doppelganger when you're 12 years old. I'll put a photo on the page. Yeah, it is kind of crazy. Please don't. Tom Brady. Yeah, actually, Tori, it's crazy if you see the picture. Okay, let's bring up this question, uh, discussion topic from the from the listeners. We have one today, and then we'll go to our guest. A whole one? A whole one from our dear buddy, Jayhan. Jayhan, Mr. Hanley, Jeremy. With COVID hopefully opening up a bit more this year, what's your big ticket course you want to hit up? Is that for me? Directed to all of us. Well, my answer will be... Actually, you guys go first, and I will tell Jeremy exactly which course I'm going to play. You guys go first. Is it Saskatchewan or anywhere worldwide? Well, he, he's in Ontario. Okay. Uh, also, here's a photo of me and Tom Brady. Neat. That <laughs> <laughs> a boy. Um, yeah, I would say somewhere in Calgary. That would be a course that I I could get to this year. Man, my schedule this summer is a mess. I'm coaching the Junior Pats team, Brick team. Got announced the head coach there. Uh, I run a hockey camp yes. for three months. Thank you. Um, and then I recruit starting last week for next year's season. So golfing, I will be doing as little, but not that I want to. I want to play, but I just can't. I have not played Victoria, but I've heard it's fantastic. Um, but of courses I've played, I would say, I'd say the Glencoe. Oh man, that's right. Maybe I should go there. Let's meet up there and play. Me, you, yeah. and Ben Hebert, and Troy Crum, and and Bo Levi Mitchell. Hey, it's super easy to get on there too. It's not not very well, private at all. We'll we'll call Ben Hebert and Bo Levi Mitchell, and we'll set it up. Ben, yeah. To answer Jeremy's question, I I will be playing it because I know for a fact we're leaving. Like I said earlier, Palm Springs few weeks here i'm going to be playing the pga west peak die stadium course i'm pretty pretty jacked about it nice yeah there's so i don't know if you guys have been down there. i know drew hasn't but there's so much golfing around there it's insane they have so many courses but we me and my buddy always pick one course that costs a little extra money and we do it like we did uh oh jesus what was it la quinta in resort course last time and that's where they had the skins game yeah. The Quinta in resort. They have a resort. No, we did the mountain course, right? Yeah, there's a mountain and resort course. We did the mountain one. And actually, funny story, Tiger Woods was there the same day we were there, except he was in his own little private lounge and it wasn't accessible to the public. But anyway, so yeah. Uh Pete Dye Stadium course in Palm Springs, Jeremy. That is where I will be playing in a month or so. I'll keep you posted. Thanks for the question, though. S- super quick change. I'm going to Riverside, actually. I miss Riverside. I'm actually just excited that uh, Troy, you'll, if you decide to take a, a work shift when he's down, um, you're dumb. But what? James Dothy's coming down because of great cups this year in Regina. Um, we're going to golf. 
Brittany Rogolfin with JD. We're going to take him to the Goulet. And you are not. <laughs> we're going to take him somewhere. No, I'm kidding. But we'll go somewhere nice. We'll go to the Royal or the Waz or Avonlea. Avonlea. Uh, Long Creek. Long Creek. He can leave his driver at home. The new tailor made. I want to see him hit driver though. I want to see him. I want to mic him up. We're going to play. Yeah. Okay. Well, this has been fun today. Actually, has been a good little chat. Covered all the major four sporting groups. And we talked a little bit golf lots too. So, people are probably uh, great guest on today. We have lots of questions for this. What? What's up? No, nothing. Just, we I don't, nothing. We're good. Exactly. Okay. So we got lots to talk about today with our guest. Uh, seems like a great dude. He's raft just under 1,700 NHL games. So it's a lot of hockey. Raft the Memorial Cup in 1988 in somewhere in Quebec. I can't say the name now, so I'm pretty sure I'll Chikutami. butcher it. Chikutami. Yeah, I'm going to butcher that on the podcast. Um, it's, we're excited to ask questions about, you know, penalties and this and that and how this and that goes and what about refing in the 2014 sochi olympics yeah i mean we don't want to give away the whole podcast right now but yeah let's oh, uh, little... i mean we, Thanks, we just, yeah so we're gonna talk to this guy today dave jackson and we're gonna ask him questions on how he refed in the nhl what's it like and what's it now today and he's also a analyst the lead analyst at espn so boys For rules officiated correct yeah right. rules officiating so without further ado, here's our guest, Dave Jackson. We hope you enjoy it. Off the Huzzle is proudly presented by Cutter & Buck Clothing. Cutter & Buck Clothing is crafted for your active lifestyle, engineered for exceptional versatility, so it'll be perfect for work, work from home, travel, date night, golf, walking, boating, hiking, and entertaining. Their clothing is thoughtfully engineered with performance features like moisture wicking, stretch, UPF for sun protection, and with easy care and time-saving features such as durable collars, added spandex, and blended fabrics that are comfortable and stylish. Cutter & Buck shares their commitment to sustainability with their commitment to sustainable products, sustainable operations, and sustainable production. When you choose Cutter & Buck clothing, you are getting the genuine spirit of the Pacific Northwest. Check out Cutter & Buck on all their social media platforms. Alrighty, we are pleased to have on the podcast today from Montreal, longtime NHL referee that is now retired. He refed in the NHL for, I believe, more than 1,600 games, which is incredible and awesome. Uh, after all that, we're happy to have join us today, Dave Jackson. How you doing, guys? Thanks for having me on. Pleasure to be here. Glad Absolutely. you could join the show. Absolutely. And we have a ton of questions for you. We're going to start out from a young Dave Jackson, get right into some uh, some hockey questions, of course, but uh, Dave, first off with you, what's new, what's going on, what's happening in your life and your world? I'm just grinding it out. Uh, live in Denver now, you know, moved here eight years ago. Weather's great, except we get a snowstorm coming in, which is bums me out. Cause it was almost golf weather. Uh, you know, they don't close the courses here. Uh, but, uh, yeah, no, it's just, um, started refereeing when I was a kid, 14 years old. I was a player. wanted to make it as a player. Uh, decent hockey player, but nowhere near good enough to play pro. Never got drafted. And I was refereeing the entire time. Went to college and I caught the eye of Brian Lewis when I was 21. Invited me to training camp and made me an NHL trainee. And I stayed there 32 years. How often do you, uh, do you ever see our good, our good friend, uh, John Michael Lyles at all down there? See him all the time. They made me and Brad Watson, who's actually, I believe from Regina. Yeah. Uh, they, 
accepted us and made us uh, kind of honorary members of the uh, Avalanche alumni. Nice. So uh, we occasionally yeah, go, and, yeah, go and skate with them and uh, hang out, do some charity golf events and things. And uh, yeah, John Michael's a great dude. Oh, and he's just shredded too. Just a man rocket. That guy, <laughs> there's not an ounce of fat on that guy's body. He could probably no. play today. That's how and he still, uh, he does the broadcast for the abs and he does them from his wine cellar. Just all these <laughs> bottles of wine and bourbon behind him. I, I don't know how he keeps the weight off, honestly. Well, that's a question I want to know. Cause I mean, like he's on the, uh, you know, the broadcast, but he's crushing wine all the time. Like, is that like, just like, that's their thing. Like JML is like mm, good red wine and just drinking like yeah. live on the air. I think it's hilarious. Yeah. I think it's a pretty good gig. Uh, I'm not sure that would fly with my bosses, but uh, you know, it's probably best when you're analyzing rules to just be uh, sticking to the diet Coke until you're done. Absolutely. <laughs> John, Dave, John, uh, oh, go ahead, Tori, go ahead. John Michael makes me laugh every time. Like back in the, the uh, NHL, like 2004, the uh, Jim Houston did the voicing and it was always John Michael. Anyways, sorry. That just made yeah. me chuckle. Yeah, I'm never sure what to call him. If I should call him John Michael or Johnny or, you know, so. Sometimes I just, I fully text like John Michael Lyles. Or I'll just be like, what's up, JML? Because it, like, it's too many letters for me. Sometimes. For sure. I'm just, yeah. So you kind of, I was going to ask you when you started refing, but you'd mentioned at the age of 14. So you, you start refing at 14. Where did you start? How did it progress? And when did you realize, hey, I'm, I'm pretty good at this and I can make a career out of this? It's probably when I stopped playing hockey, you know, I was 18 and was going to college and I was offered a shot to go for, I was just refereeing in my local town. It was just for pocket money and to be on the ice. And then I was offered to referee. It was called the, the Lac St. Louis region. And it encompassed probably 30 cities, you know, 50 square miles. And it was, you know, triple A hockey and stuff. And I started doing that and, there was a guy, Doug Hayward, who mentored quite a few Quebecers, uh, took me under his wing a little bit and said, you know, you could be, you could be good and moved me up pretty quick. I moved, I was doing, uh, working the lines, doing junior B, junior double A hockey, refereeing midget AAA. And that's when I thought, well, maybe, who knows? I mean, my goal is just to get to the Quebec major junior hockey league. And yeah. the next year I was there, I was there as a linesman the next year. And I went, this is pretty cool. You know, people in the building, that was back in the days when, you know, Claude Lemieux, um, Pat LaFontaine, uh, Patrick Waugh was in Nets, Pierre Turgeon, wow. and it was pretty good hockey. And it was, it was a rush being there. And that's when I kind of thought, man, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to bear down and dedicate myself and see what happens. That's probably 17, 18 at the time. Awesome. So that, that's a good point. Trey just brought up that. And I have a lot of buddies that ref and I, I coach junior hockey and I see them all refing, and, you know, a lot of them do it, you know, for pocket change this and that. And then now they have this, um, I believe it's like a grooming system, like get them to the next level and do some junior A, some Western league. Um, you know, I, I guess maybe you kind of answered this already, but like when you were refing, you know, the junior B's, the triple A's, what, when you were refing, was there a point where you're like, no, I'm going to try and go as far as I can and, you know, just keep doing as many games as, as I can and just trying to get to that next level. Yeah, I think when I was accepted into the uh, Quebec has this um, program where it's called the uh, e, the elite staff. It's it's in French. It's uh, it's elite. It's elite staff. And once you're in now on that staff, that's when you you have to be on that staff in order to do uh, major triple A, major junior, or uh, the Canadian college uh, hockey. Yeah. So it's not it's not as if you know you go to one town and this guy's working because. The referee in chief in that town thought he deserved a break. You have to be part of this provincial staff. 
and you actually have a training camp, you go, you do fitness tests, do all that. Once I got to that level, that's when I said, yeah, this, I think I can do this. You know, it's just a matter of getting a break. And yeah. uh, I was probably 18, 19 when I was on that stuff. I, I want to jump in and ask a question. It's, it's not on any of our notes, but something. I, so, I, you know, okay, well, my friend, his dad was Mick Magoo. So, you know, Mick, obviously, or the late Mick. Yes. God bless his soul. What so, a great dude. Yeah. And, and, you know, I grew up around Mick, uh, hanging out with Jared and, you know, Mick's physique as a referee wasn't the best physique, uh, for yourself. Like what kind of conditioning do you guys have to do? I mean, you're up and down that ice 60 minutes a game, right? I at mean, the best level. At the, yeah. Well, at, like, what, what, you know, we always referred to Mick, we always referred to Mick as just being you know, sort of barrel chested. Um, <laughs> It sort of encompassed everything. Uh, <laughs> great storyteller, great dude. Uh, I miss him. Um, our training camps are not that uh, dissimilar to NHL players training camp. We don't do the kind of strength testing they do with the, you know, the uh, bench press and everything, but we uh, we're expected to come in with uh, low body fat. I mean, we've got guys with single digit body fat. Um, they, they weigh you, they put you on a bike, you do the Wingate test. You do the, uh, we used to do the, um, the Cooper, uh, Cooper test with the, uh, they put the mask on you. Uh, I forget the name of it. The, the VO2. Uh, VO2 max. Yeah. Do that. Then they put you into sit-ups, push-ups, holding the plank. You do uh, shuttle runs. You do two shuttle runs and short agility one. Then you do the one till you just die. Um, you know, it goes on the beep, the beep test, I yeah. guess they call it. Um, standing long jump, uh, percentage of body fat with the calipers. I mean, it's, it's pretty intense. Um, you okay. work out. It used to be when I started, I started back in 86, a lot of guys came to training camp to get in shape and I would, you know, I'd start running a mile, maybe two weeks before I went to camp and, uh, for probably the last, well, since about 2000, um, you would finish the season, take a week off, maybe a month off if you didn't go far in the playoffs, but by June 1st, you're back in the gym six, six days a week. So that's probably camp. one part of the job you don't miss now, right? Is doing the fitness testing, right? I don't miss it, but as I get slow and fatter, um, <laughs> I almost wish I had something to, yeah, I mean, you'd go to the gym and the reason what would motivate you to go to the gym was fear, fear of being embarrassed at camp, fear of them calling you out and saying, you know, go home until you lose the weight. I mean, right. you had a reason, you had a reason to get up every day and go to the gym. And now it's yeah. <clears throat> not quite as, you know, you sort of set a bar for yourself and, when you step on the scale and you progress that bar, then you work out real hard to get back below that bar. And then you go, okay, well, I'm good now. But yeah, there's not quite the same urgency. Or if you're Garrett rank, you just play in the U.S. Sam and U.S. Yeah. Mid-Am every summer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. I played with Garrett last summer out here in Denver and I was having not, a banner. He's not bad. Ba no, I was having a banner <laughs> day. I was striping the ball down the middle of the fairway and he'd come up and he would literally launch it 35, 40 yards past me. And it's just going like consistently every hole. I'm just going, man, like I got that on the screws and you still put it 45 yards over mine. That's one incredible. guy I want to golf with. I heard he's just nuts. He came no, out with us. Dirty. He came out with us and, uh, you know, we played the white tees and uh, he had a couple of beers with us. And I think he shot 66, not even trying. Wow. Like, yeah. You know, <laughs> he's so wild. Weird. Yeah, but you, you talked about like um, growing up refing in in Quebec. Did you did you grow up in Montreal or a different part of Quebec? Yeah, no, born and raised in Montreal. Moved to the suburbs, the western suburbs, uh, when I was three, and lived there my entire childhood and most of my adulthood. 
Gotcha. What other what other kind of like activities did you do in hobbies? Gol golf and baseball. Um, okay. No one what played you soccer. Play uh, well, I wasn't very good, but I crushed it as a, as a, as an adult playing slow pitch, but, uh, <laughs> uh playing, playing baseball, uh, just an infielder, um, not, not much of a power hitter. Couldn't hit the curve. Um, big Tim gotcha. Reigns fan. Oh, totally. Expos were the, one of the greatest teams ever. If we'd had a wild, wild card during the height of the Expos, they'd have been in the playoffs every year. But they would have won the, the world strike series, in 94 didn't happen. They would have won the world series that year. Yeah, look back at 82. I mean, Rick Monday killed us on Blue Monday. And they brought in Steve Rogers as a relief pitcher in the ninth inning and gave up that home run. But, I mean, we had an amazing team back then. That was the Tim Raines era. Yeah, Andre phenomenal. was back then. Who else? I, don't think. A, I mean, I was only like, in 1982, Gary, I was only two years old. So I don't remember that one. But that wasn't even thought had, of. <laughs> yeah, you we had, had Gary, Gary, Gary Carter, <laughs> Gary Carter, Tim Raines, uh, just even at Pete Rose in, I think, 81, he played one season with us. It was, uh, it was a great team, great well, franchise. They get a team back, the Expos. You know what? If they do, I'll be at the home opener. I just, they need a downtown stadium. Yeah, I agree 100%. Dave, I want to ask a question. You, you brought up, like, um, what did you just talk about? You just mentioned um, baseball. No, way before that. Your last question. Doesn't matter. Dave, <laughs> I do a lot of pre scouting for coaching, obviously, and on other players and teams and breakouts and all that stuff, right? As a ref, I tell my guys that take a lot of penalties sometimes on my team or whatever it is that these refs do pre-scouting and, and they do their homeworks and they know who's on the ice. They know who's playing. What are you guys doing, I guess, before a game, whether it's in the locker room and do you just have video or are you, are you watching? Like, okay, you know, this guy takes a lot of 10s or a lot of whatever, whether it's junior hockey or the NHL. I mean, do you guys do a lot of pre-scouting? You don't do a lot of pre-judging. Uh, you never want to prejudge a game. In fact, they brought me on ESPN about two weeks ago when Tom Wilson made his return to Madison okay. Square Garden. And, you know, the Rangers now have Reeves and they stockpiled them. To, and I think they actually said, this is so we don't get pushed around by Tom Wilson anymore when they when they got him in the trade. And they were asking me, did the referees prejudge the game? And I, I said, definitely not. The last thing you want to do is say, well, I'm going to prejudge this game. and I'm going to go and call a bunch of real tight penalties. Yeah. And you know, possibly. And what happened was they didn't prejudge the game. The teams played hockey and it was a great hockey game. The last thing you want to do is insert yourself into a game that doesn't need to be inserted into call a couple of cheap penalties teams get scored on. Now they're down a couple of goals and they're looking at you going, you know, we, we were just going to play hockey, but now you've got us so frustrated. Now we're just going to, you know, start taking dumb penalties. Yeah. So the same goes for individual players. You don't want to prejudge a player. I think it's incumbent upon the, the senior official on any game. To, you know, you're there so early, you're there an hour and a half, sometimes two hours before the game. You pull the lineup sheet out, it's sitting right there. They provide you with everything you need. And you look at it, you go down the list of players. Linesmen talk about centermen, which guys have certain tendencies to jump, just to be aware of it. Uh, deal with it early, deal with the centermen, talk to them, go, listen, don't be jumping on me, work with me, I'll work with you. And you do the same with the players uh, as, as referees. You say, well, this guy, you know, I had him last game and he was doing this, but I talked to him. So just be aware, just be aware of that. And you kind of have your antenna up, but the last thing you want to do is go out and, you know, threaten a player or say, don't do this tonight. I mean, yeah. because you've got to start with a clean slate every game. So I know we got a lot of notes here, Drew. I was going to ask one more question, but yeah, go ahead. I'm going to jump in on this sure. one. We're kind of going off scripted. I mean, Dave we actually, don't have a script. We shoot in the hip. Good. Yeah. Uh, hey, on ESPN, I don't get a script. So I just got to <laughs> jump in. So you guys go ahead. So, you started in the mid 80s, you said, right? 1980s. My uh, 
my first pro game was 1986. My first NHL game is 1990. Okay. So from 1990, what was the transition like? Because I remember watching the old hockey, like the hooks, the trips, the slashes where refs didn't see nothing. It just, the game kept going. You had one ref. (laughs) Well, no, I know. But to to today's age where they call everything or damn near everything. Like what was that transition like as a ref? To go, okay, I, I used to watch this for so many years, the clutching and the grabbing, you know, I'm in the corner, I'm stepping on the puck, they're going to blow the whistle to nowadays where you can step on that puck for three and a half minutes and the ref ain't blowing it. I hear you. Well, you know, it's, it's funny. I used, to, I used to say that watching guys, especially when I was in the minors, I was part of the program, but I was, you know, looking up to guys that were full-time NHL guys, you know, Don Koharski, Bill McCreary, like those guys. And I'm looking and you would see something that goes unpenalized and the announcers, their first reaction would be, well, there's some good judgment here. He's letting them play hockey. And even myself, you know, you could miss something and you get credited with good judgment, letting them, you're letting them play hockey yeah. back in the eighties and nineties to now they expect that call to be made. There is no, well, you know, letting them play hockey, a trip on a breakaway or a hook back then you only sort of called a hook. If the guy went down, right. Like I, I think back to Mario Lemieux, who is one of the all-time greatest goal scorers ever. He was so big and so powerful. And I think if he'd played in today's rules, he might have 200 goals. Well, because I would be clutching and grabbing and hanging on to him. Oh, man, he would drive the net with two guys on his back, yeah. and he wouldn't go down. He'd still score a goal. He reminded me, I mean, you guys are too young, but there was an episode of the Flintstones where Fred Flintstone went back to college and playing football and he'd run into the end zone with four guys on top of him. And that, that's what Mary Lee Mill would do. He would, he just had guys over him all the time. Mark Messier. I mean, those guys would just fight through traffic and they never went down, but their arms were being hooked. They had one hand off their stick half the time. And it just, that just wasn't the standard back then. I think, I think the standard really changed in 2005 after the one year lockout. Yeah. Uh, Brendan Shanahan spearheaded a group of, players they formed like a competition committee and Stephen Walkham my uh co-worker and then he became the boss uh was tasked with implementing these rules and he did a fantastic job uh exhibition season that year out of training camp I remember one game I think I had 26 minor penalties and the announcers were going this is ridiculous it's never going to work the players were yelling at us come on let us just play hockey this isn't going to work and he for to his credit he kept sending out videos. He kept sending out memorandums almost daily going. And what he would do is he would clip newspaper articles from Toronto Star, uh, from TSN, from guys like Pierre Maguire going, this will work. This is great. Skilled players are going to get to play. And you know what? We outlasted the players. They realized, the coaches realized this isn't going away. And we have to adjust it. You know, it cost so many players their jobs, those slow-footed big defensemen that relied on hooking and holding. They were no longer in the league and you just saw younger and younger and quicker players come in. And it's not perfect today. People, people are always going to critique refereeing, but the players know there's a standard and you go to the net and get hooked. It's going to get called. See, and I was just going to piggyback that question because you mentioned it. I'm a huge Oilers fan. So I watch Connor McDavid every night. That guy should get. So are you one of the guys that fills my Twitter inbox with complaints? (laughs) That's a No. (laughs) Trust okay. me. Now he's going not to. a friend of the show. I wouldn't do that too. <laughs> okay. No, McDavid. I mean, he should be getting eight to 10 calls a night. Right. I mean, he is constantly interfered with hooked, slowed down. 
and it's not just McDavid, it's Matthews, it's uh, McKinnon, McKinnon, Crosby. I mean, and I know you can't call everything, but mm-hmm. if that's the way the NHL wants it to be, why aren't they calling everything? Well, I think you have to you have to look a bit of it through a fan's eyes, and not every time he loses the puck, it's a penalty. Agree. Because I saw a montage last year of something like they were talking about the playoffs. There was should have been 20 penalties on them that weren't called. And honestly, I saw maybe three that you really had an argument on. The other ones, it just, I mean, it was man-to-man coverage. And hockey's a contact sport. And guys are gonna guys are gonna get knocked down. They're gonna get impeded. They're gonna get people are gonna get in their way. And if you know, if that's my ice too. I, I'm going to get in that ice and make him take a longer route. That's not necessarily always a penalty. That's just good defense. Okay. Yeah, Detroit, my last one. Quit being a damn oh, homer. No. Okay. <laughs> but here, I, I do, I do got another one to piggyback, piggyback that one. Last good. week, Ovechkin on Hyman. Come on. That was a penalty. <laughs> Thank you. That's all I want to hear. I was brought, I was brought, I was in Bristol, Connecticut, actually. I was broadcasting from the, studios that night because there were three games all running simultaneous and I can't do that from my home. So they filmed the show, the point in the afternoon. And they asked me, would you come on and talk about that? And I said, sure, I'll come on and, and talk about it. And I have to maintain credibility. I can't, I can't say, well, no, that wasn't a penalty. Of course it was a penalty. But I also yeah. said, I also said, you've got one referee who's deep in the corner. He's looking through about four guys to try and make that call. And he knows his partner's five feet from it. So for him to guess on it, and if he's wrong, they're going to say, why didn't you defer to your partner? And his partner, like to his credit, or I should, I should say credit, he's certainly not looking at it the way we saw it on the video and going, that's not a penalty. Yeah. <clears throat> he's too good a referee for that. But it was a quick turn- turnover. He was caught flat-footed at the, far, at the close blue line. He had to turn and pivot with his back to the play, skating towards the net. And if you see him in the video, he's looking over his shoulder at the play. So... A lot of things conspired there. Bad luck. To, I don't think you got to look at it the way the I, way we all got to look at it four or five times. We don't see that angle, right? We just see the, whatever the broadcast, the TV showing us, right? So correct, correct. So the fastest player in the world. Yeah. No, exactly. So we're looking at that and going, should it have been a hook? Yeah, it should have been a hook. But calls get missed all night, and then you go on social media and people are saying, well, you know, the referees they, they don't want Canadian teams to win, or they they don't want. <laughs> you know, orders to win. I mean, there's none of that. A referee misses a call. He gets critiqued. I mean, people go referees should be suspended. Referees should be fined. Well, you know what? Referees are rated consistently rated all year long. They're critiqued. Uh, their calls are in Toronto. Every, every game has a guy sitting in Toronto, watching that game, marking every call they make and marking every call in their opinion that they think he missed. It's available to that official on his laptop after the game. He just has to open a laptop, go to the game, and click on it. And their body of work is assessed at the end of the season. The supervisors, there's a group of eight or nine of them, plus the referee-in-chief. Only 20 guys get playoffs. Yeah. They've, got 30, they've got 35 referees. 35 referees, 35 linesmen. Only 20 and 20 make the playoffs. So you got a good 40% of your staff who's not making playoffs so you tell me, I mean, they want a referee to be fined. Well, not getting playoffs and not getting bonus money. That is a fine. your performance. Your performance affects how much money you make. And and the bottom line is, guys, without referees, there's no game. Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. So back off, and, all you guys out there. <laughs> no, but I mean, I don't. I've never worked with an official or talked to an official at the NHL level who hasn't gone on that ice going, 
I'm going to be perfect tonight or try my darndest to be perfect. Right. Yeah. Not seldom, seldom happens, but guys aren't looking at calls and going, I'm just, I just don't feel like making that, or I don't like that guy. And I'm not going to make that call. They really couldn't care who wins. What they care about is doing the best job they can. So they get playoff games and they don't make a fool of themselves. Great. This we is talked great. About that it, last is, week a little bit. Yeah. And this is, like I was saying, I'm, like, sorry, go on, so, no, like some, sometimes you just like, I only ref for a couple of years, but sometimes you just miss it. You either don't see it or kind of, no pun intended, but you get caught flat-footed and then it's like, well, you don't want to call it late. So it's like, well, I'll just let it go. You know, it's. Oh, absolutely. It's hard. And it's about where you're a lot focus. of things to watch. It's about where your focus is too. I mean, you'll see a guy, uh, a stick up in a guy's face and it doesn't make contact, but all of a sudden he gets tripped with a guy's foot. And they go, he's looking right at it, but like, no, he's looking to make sure the guy doesn't get high sticked mm-hmm. and he's not focused on the foot and a guy will go down. So it's all about where your focus is. Are you focused to waist up or waist down and something happens and you miss it? Yeah. Speaking of foot, we talked about it in the pregame a little bit. Um, what's your thought on the uh, PK Sluban going on? Because you mentioned, <laughs> you mentioned you guys don't prejudge players. Right. But the amount of times that's happened, like, do you think they talk about that at all? I don't know. I'm not in the room with them. I think you, obviously you watch hockey highlights. You see things that, that go on. It's, it's tough to avoid media. You're, you're going to watch it. You're going to see that. But once again, I mean, you don't prejudge to play and go, well, this, and I guess there was something that happened just recently, which I actually didn't see, but I saw some headlines. Um, but if, if you're looking at a player, he goes in the corner that if you go, any player goes in a corner one-on-one, mm-hmm. you're going to watch for a slew foot, no matter who the player is. Yeah. And sometimes these things happen so fast in conjunction with a legal body check, you know, you put a shoulder on a guy, you put uh, your forearms, your elbow, and then the skate gets evolved. And a lot of times I'm not being an apologist here, but a lot of times that foot gets in behind for leverage to keep your own balance. Yeah. yeah. Um, so. Yeah. Well, Dave, this is great right now. And I want to give you some kudos right now too, because we've just been grilling you a little bit here. This is perfect. We're going to grill you a little, little bit more after this, but. It's like, it's like you guys are cops. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, you've left some big events in your career. Uh, I want to touch on the 1988 Memorial Cup, and I'm going to blow this name, Chittakumi. 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 70th annual member. Uh, what was that experience like for you? Well, you guys are from the West, and you weren't born yet, right? Drew definitely wasn't. I was born in 1995. Yeah, I'm 1980. Okay. Troy and I were. So uh, Medicine Hat was playing. Oh. And uh, they were returning champions. They'd won the year before. My buddy and I had team, Rod Williams. Wow. It, they had a good team. They, they robbed the Mayo, the Dean Chanuth, um, Fitzpatrick and Nets. Uh, they, they had a whole, um, they had a whole bunch of great players and they had them where I had them in the round Robin. And back then it was, it was a lot chippier than you see junior hockey. Now, <laughs> uh, Adam Graves, Adam Graves and Paul Maurice were playing for, wow. um, for Windsor. That's cool. Okay. And uh, so there was a break, a semi breakaway and the defenseman for medicine hat tattooed the guy in the side of the helmet. And we could call slashing back then without a game misconduct. So you didn't really have to worry about, well, is it worth five? I'm going to throw the guy out of the game. You could just go five for slashing. So called five for slashing. I mean, the guy's ear was hanging off blood. 
So uh, he got five for slashing and about 30 seconds into the power play, uh, Fitzpatrick and Nets just decided to two-hand a guy in front of the net in the ankles. Down he went. So I called another major penalty. So they were down five on three with major penalties and they got lit up, lost the game, and they were in danger of not making it to the finals. Well, they ended up um, winning the Memorial Cup. And needless, needless to say, I did not work the finals. Um, but I think every West, every WHL hockey fan uh, was uh, not too. They had little voodoo dolls of Dave Jackson. Uh, I didn't. I didn't make any friends in the Western Hockey League for with that Memorial Cup. But it was a great experience. It was. It was a lot of fun. So, how was your experience with the 2014 Sochi Olympics? 2014 Sochi Olympics was really different because normally guys go to the Olympics and if they want to fly their wife in or their family for all or part of it, they can, they can you know, do sightseeing, but there were, there were terrorist um, sort of threats that Olympic. In fact, the U S was in danger of pulling out of the Olympics right beforehand. So we had to all charter a plane. We left on um, Saturday. The first games were Wednesday. We left on Sunday, we chartered and we were there for the full 18 days. Uh, so nobody, nobody really brought any families. So we were, as much as you missed your family having the experience, it was more like going to training camp. The 18 guys, uh, 13 guys, and we were all just together in the hotel, fortunate enough to be inside the perimeter. We didn't have to go through security every day. So we just hung out. It was, it was just, a, you know, 13 referees all in the same hotel, separated from the athletes. They were all in the village. And it was just, uh, it was a lot of fun. You're with your buddies. You go, to the, you go to watch their games. You go to watch other events. Some guys went up to the mountains to go skiing. And... I would have liked to see more of Russia because I didn't experience Moscow. So she, it would be like saying if a Russian citizen said, I'm going to the U S and he landed in Disneyland, hung out at Disneyland and then flew home, went to the beach maybe and gone, well, I saw America. Well, you didn't really see America. You saw yeah. Disneyland and the ocean. That's kind of how so she was palm trees and everything was nice and clean. And it was, but it was a lot of fun. That's so awesome. Dave, Dave. So uh, like I'm, I'm, I guess if you want to say American, I've lived in America since 04. But um, so I watch a lot of ESPN and TNT hockey and you guys have both, you know, starting this year, done a great job. How did you, how did that happen? Like, how did you end up with ESPN? I was driving in my car and the phone rang and it was ESPN and they asked, introduced themselves and asked me if I would consider and be interested in doing this job. They got my name. They got my name through the NHL, I guess. And that's, uh, you know, I was, I'd never even knew it was a job they were planning on having. And they called me and offered it to me. And I went, yeah, of course, sign me up. I mean, I sit on my couch and I yell at the announcers for getting things wrong. And I go, that's not the rule. I, I can explain that rule. And then my phone rang and one day they're offering me that job, which I'm telling you what, it's a lot harder doing it than I thought it would be. So do you, uh, That's cool. do, do you work with our second cousin, Mr. Melrose? I work with Barry Melrose. Are you guys related to Barry? That's our second cousin. Yeah. Well, <laughs> then you can ask him because he was coach of that medicine hat team. That's, That's right. Correct. Yeah. He was, oh, he was, he was, he was, oh, I think three. he, I think he held that grudge <laughs> for a couple of years <laughs> because he went to Adirondack coaching the right. American league. And then he went on to coach the Kings. And uh, I think he held that grudge for a few years. Hopefully he's over it now. I haven't spoken to him lately, but uh, yeah, no, but in the Twitter in a, in a, in a, in a tweet. Yeah, there you go. Do you, 
do you get do you get nervous on when you're on TV and they're like, hey, what do you think about this call? Because Tori does buddies... the podcast, so we want to ask you that question. Yeah, What's that? well, it is. Uh, it, I'm I'm still a work in progress because. I'm at the mercy of seeing the replay because it all happens so fast. And I'm, I'm doing most of my games from, from home. So they'll come to me and the, the producers are great. They'll ask me, have you had a chance to see the replay? But it's new for them too. I mean, it's the first year they're doing hockey in what, 17, 18 years. Unlike football, they usually have just the one game and the referee analyst is there live. Yeah. So it's, it's new territory for everybody and we're still working through it. And so far, so good. But at the beginning, they want me to be concise. And I was too concise. And I always ended one of my hits with the feeling that I left more questions on the table than I answered. And I spoke too fast. And I didn't really do a good job. To now, I'm a little more comfortable. I'll speak. And if my producer wants me to wrap it up, he'll say, OK, wrap it up, wrap it up. But I'll try and give a little lengthier version. But I don't I don't small talk. I try and get right to it. And that's, yeah. they've worked with, they've worked with me and made me better at what I'm doing. And can I get better? Sure. But I'm a lot better than I was the first month. I got you. I got, I got a friend, a friend of mine is uh, he's the head official for the NCAA football, Steve Shaw. I don't okay, know how yeah, much you follow the, football, but no, I've heard he that name. The, basically the exact same thing. But anyways, how does he like it? Oh, he loves it. Good. <laughs> Good. Uh, Dave, I have, I think, I think we have two more here. And then we'll go to our questions from the gallery. Cause this, this has been great. That really reminded me of stepbrother. Sorry. Hey. What? Tori's asking. And now I'm going to ask you the question. Oh yeah. Huh. <laughs> We're going to do the interview now. <laughs> Is that catch up? Like <laughs> how much, how much you get paid a year before taxes? Um, okay. Dave, when we had Tim Peel on, we asked him questions about some funny stories that he recalled from his refing days. And a lot of them went back to the junior days, uh, funny stuff, memories, uh, maybe coaches flipping out parents. Uh, you got any of those stories for us? Uh, wow. You put me on a spot here. <laughs> uh, one of the funniest stories was from the American hockey league. Uh, my first year doing the American hockey league and Claude Julien, the ex coach of the uh, Canadians yep. and Boston Bruins. Well, he was playing for uh, Halifax and he was the captain and, uh, They'd never seen me before. It was my, like my first year in the league. And we had our names in the back of our sweaters. So Jackson and met a lot of French kids on their team. And I, I'd refereed a lot of these French kids because they were playing in the queue. And right. I refereed in the queue. And I've got a terrible French accent, but I'm, I'm fairly fluent in French. So there was this one kid I gave a penalty to. And on the way to the box, he, he was yapping at me and beaking at me. So I gave him an extra two men at minor. And then uh, he got in the box and threw his stick and yelled some more at me. I ended up throwing him out of the game. And uh, Fredericton, uh, Halifax was losing. They were losing by a lot of goals this night. They're just getting pumped by, uh, by Moncton. And Claude Julien comes off the bench and he comes across and he's super respectful. And he goes, hey, Davey, he goes, I know we've never talked. Uh, we've never spoken. And, uh, you know, I think you're having a rough night tonight, but I've left you alone. He goes, but I've got to take exception to this penalty you just called because, uh, kid's my roommate and he doesn't speak a word of, he doesn't speak a word of english he goes your rooms with me because we're french and uh you have no idea what he said you can't throw a guy out of the game when you don't even know what he said you just assumed what he said and i looked at claude and in like perfect french i answered him back in french that i'm from quebec <laughs> lived in montreal i worked the queue and i know exactly what he said so claude paused for a second he tapped me in the shin pad he said well that's a hell of a call then dave <laughs> <Skated> away. <laughs> 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 
<laughs> that's good. That's pretty good. <laughs> I like that. That's all time. Uh, Dave, we, we talked about it early in the show a little bit briefly, but we're going to get right into it here before we get grilled by our listeners. Uh, how's your golf game? What's your handicap? I mean, where are you at? Uh, how much are you playing? Well, some would say uh, my handicap is I'm left-handed, but uh, lefty. <laughs> yeah, lefty. Uh, during COVID, during COVID, before I was, uh, you know, uh, I was no longer, I was supervised. When I retired from the ice, I was supervising for the NHL in the, in the uh, American Hockey League. And then COVID happened and everything shut down for a while. So myself and Brad Watson, I think we probably played, we played about 110 games of golf that first summer. And I was, I was down to an eight. That's the best I could get. Eight point something. Uh, that's, that's smoking. Um, well, it's index. So I what's I make my handicap like a, a nine something or whatever. Uh, but then, you know, now that I'm working again and doing stuff, I'm probably a, I'm a sandbagger 12, 13, something like that. You'd be a hell of a match play partner, though. You and I'd I'd be, be a, I, I'm partner. a great scramble and a match play partner. Yeah. Crank that puppy up to 15. We'll talk. <laughs> that's what I'm talking about, Tori. <laughs> All right, Dave, let's go to our segment called Questions from the Gallery, sponsored by Rubbercrow. Rubbercrow is 100% made out of recycled tires. They have tons to offer. Rubber flooring, rubber mats, rubber parking blocks, rubber speed bumps, rubber ramps. We also now have hockey devices, including our new deflector. Check them out today at www.rubbercrow.com. Also call today at 306-541-9840. Think with your head and choose the right rubber. All right. Nicely done, Drew. And those That's aren't awesome. condoms. They're rubber floor. Pretty smooth. <laughs> pretty smooth. Do I, do I get a door prize? Uh, we could set you up with some rubber mats down there. Okay. Right it out. Just need the Addy. That's all. You need the Addy. And then you have to do a promotional post for us and say, this is Rubber Crow. And think with your head <laughs> and choose the right rubber. And then you're good. <laughs> so, Dave, these are I'll just some general questions we get from some of our listeners. Some are from us. Some we ask to every guest. Uh, I'm going to start it off with how my- much money you make before taxes. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm, I'm going to start it off with my favorite question that I ask each and every guest, your ultimate golf foursome, anybody you could golf with dead or alive, famous, whatever, who would it be and why? Oh, wow. You couldn't have told me this, but in advance and let me <laughs> no, think about it. Fun. This is it way better. <laughs> so now you got to throw your buddies under the bus and you got to make sure it's the right three guys or girls. Oh, wow. You want Jeez. to think about it? We can come back to that one after. Yeah, let's come back to that one. Okay. You're up. I just right. asked one. You want me to ask another one? Yep. Okay. Uh, not that we're biased because of our last name, but uh, how many times you see Joey fight? And is there anybody you think that? Uh, and, and and was he respectful? Well, that too. But was is he in your top five fighters? Are you guys related to Joey? That's our cousin. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, he's your cousin. Yeah. <laughs> you guys are cousins of everybody. Is it? I mean, what's Rose going on Larks up there? And Melrose, well, welcome. The Green Kelvington, Saskatchewan. <laughs> so are you guys related to Brad Watson too? Uh, no, maybe. <laughs> no. We'll have to check the family tree. We'll have to check that one out. <laughs> How about Kelly Hollingshead? No. Nope. No. No. All right. Maybe through marriage of something or something or something, <laughs> and somebody's brother, sister, uncle, yeah. aunt. I'm not we'll sure. Joey Kosher. Joey Kosher's tough as nails, man. He was ultimate warrior, ultimate respectful guy too. Um, I ran into him several times. I mean, teams didn't charter back then. So if you were on the road, you ended up in the same restaurant, having the same couple of diet Cokes after the game. And, uh, you know, we by the way, <laughs> he'd show us his, he'd show us his hands and his knuckles. And I can remember them being, there was one year, I think he actually, they showed his hands on sports illustrated or hockey news or something. I mean, they were just mangled. And, uh, 
he would not back down from anyone. Uh, what a teammate. It just You could just tell the respect his teammates had for him. Yep, Tori. I love it. Okay, you, you might not want to answer this just because because of your employment now, but what asshole coaches or players did you run into? <laughs> well, whatever team was losing tended to have more jerks on them than the team that was winning. But uh, you know what? I'm going to defer. I'm not going to answer that. <laughs> is that, is okay. that okay. I'm going to go to my next. I'll, I'll give I'm you gonna... ultimate gentleman that I ran across in my career, but yeah, I'm not going either Sounds way. Sounds good. Ultimate gentleman then. Let's do that one. Well, let's, that? Yeah, you start with uh, Joe Sakic, Nick uh-huh. Lidstrom, uh, Trevor Linden. Um, you know, Just uh, great. Mark, hey. Mark Messier, Mario Lemieux, Wayne Gretzky. Uh, those guys, I mean, they would, they would test you. It would no. test you, but for the most part, uh, Adam Graves, just, I mean, there's just too many guys, almost like I was talking earlier in a different uh, podcast, referees get calls 99% of the time, right? They make thousands of decisions every game Yeah, that you never, you never even realize you're making a decision. A guy falls down, a guy, you know, gets hit, you're making a decision. And it's only the 1% of the calls that ever get noticed because they're bad. It's the same with the players. I mean, 99% of the players are just really good guys. And it's yeah. the guys that misbehave that get all the, you know, all the notice and they go, oh, what's this guy like? But how about the other 99% that are just awesome guys? Gotcha. Since you deferred, I'm going to ask another one. Sorry, Drew. What, what do you think about the instant replay? Do you think it's helped or hurt the game? A big picture. I think it's helped the game. It's helped the game a lot. Uh, I can remember before, remember it started just as did the puck cross the goal line or not? Or was it kicked in? Was it? Ever, I mean, skate bleed in the blue, right? Oh, but it I was, hated that. God, that it was, was bad. Just a terrible feeling to be the only guy in the world that didn't see the puck go in the net. You get teams, especially a playoff game, you get teams battling, battling. I mean, one goal might be the difference. Yep. And everybody in the building sees it. The Jumbotron sees it. Everybody on TV sees it. And you're saying no goal and you're living with that call. It's just not fair. It's not, not fair to the game. So when they brought that in, I think that was the greatest thing they could have done. And I think when they brought it in for all the other things, they brought it in to fix egregious missed calls or egregious bad calls. That was the intent of it. And it was a bit of a slippery slope. You were challenging small things and all that. And that was unintended, but I think they've, I think they've fixed it to a pretty good degree with now having a minor penalty. If you're wrong, I think you're seeing far less, challenges to where the coach is going well it's a 50 50 let's try it yeah when he has to serve a penalty i think it makes them think and i think it's in a good place and i really like it i mean as a referee if you're going to get the call wrong you're going to get noticed by your bosses that you got it wrong regardless why penalize the team for getting the call wrong let's just get let's just be fair to the fans let's be fair to the game and get the call right funny because the only thing i don't like right now is the the how they can go back you know 20 seconds back and oh it was offside by an inch yeah it, but that anyways that's just all me. the sports kind of changed like that too like i remember it was it jeff joyce the umpire when uh, armando galarago was throwing the perfect game yes and he called the last guy safe and he was out by clearly a couple feet and i mean you know how he felt like he he, he, he probably felt worse than far. the pitcher Oh, absolutely. 100%. And I mean, that's when baseball started to really, you know, they started using their instant replay a lot more too. Right. I mean, yeah, yeah. it's better for the game, I think as well. Um, 
sometimes I don't like it, you know, because it's like, damn it, his toenail was over the blue line and just cost us a win. You know what I mean? But that's what it's there for, yep. right? So, yep. Uh, what's your question there, Drew? Pre-game routine and pre-game meal when you were refing. I never asked this a ref before. I'm curious to know this question. Answer. Well, pre-game meal when I started out was always pasta. It was, you got to get your carbs. And I became almost superstitious that if I didn't have pasta before the game, that I have a bad game. But I never, I, I never accounted for all the games I had that were bad games. And I had pasta that day until I finally realized this is stupid. Uh, I can't live my life a superstition. So the, uh, uh, probably my last decade re- refereeing, I ate whatever the guys wanted to eat. Just, there was no, nothing in particular I wouldn't eat. I mean, all right, we're back. We had a, a washroom breaker, a technical difficulty error. Uh, Dave, okay, let's go to uh, pregame routine. Well, pregame routine, I used to be superstitious, left skate, right skate, where your socks were and everything. I realized I did a bunch of bad games with my superstitions all intact and realized it's just too much effort. Uh, gave up the superstitions. My superstition became, I was anti-superstition. It was, I couldn't do anything the same every game. I, I, I did have routines. Though. I like to get there early. I, I had some injuries. Uh, later in my career where I missed the season twice. Uh, one was a hip injury, one was a knee injury. And uh, I like to get there really early, ride the bike, uh, warm up, stretch. That was really important for me. So I, I would get to games anywhere from two hours, an hour and a half before the game. Just relax. I hated rushing. So it was just, I missed that about, I missed that about working. I don't so much miss getting yelled at and going up and down the ice. I miss, I miss hanging out with the guys for an hour and a half before the game, just talking hockey and being with your buddies. I mean, I worked with some of these guys. Some guys started when I did. So I worked 30 years with them. You know, you get to know guys pretty well. So golf question. Uh, yeah. Favorite golf course and your lowest score. And ultimate foursome. Well, that one we'll get to after. Wow. Okay. Uh, one of my favorite golf courses was a course I belonged to in Montreal called the Beaconsfield Golf Club. And they hosted the Canadian Open twice but that was back in the forties or early fifties it's built. There's houses on all four sides. They can't lengthen it. It would just get crushed today. They still play some LPJ events there, but it was a, it is a great course. Um, there's a course here in Colorado owned by the founder of Remax, Dave Linegar senior called the sanctuary. And it truly is a sanctuary. It's uh, it's pristine. It's not overly hard, but it's, it's a Jim Eng design, but it's spectacular. The condition it's in, we take the course over for four days. I play in the owner's tournament. Um, I love that course. Um, favorite golf course, played Pinehurst number two several times. It's beautiful course, never scored well. I think I hit 18 greens, but I only stayed on one. The other 17 rolled off. If you guys have <laughs> played there, it's a turtle back, say, on every green. Uh, I've played Spyglass Hill in a driving rain. It was sideways. And there's no way I would have played. However, uh, had it not been at Spyglass, um, that was a lot of fun. Um, best score ever, I think I was 76. was my lowest score. And nothing wrong nice. with that. <clears throat> I have one and a half questions left. Tori, you got any? I've got like seven. Yeah. I've, I've got – it's kind of a two-parter. Um, when you were refing, what, what was your favorite city to go to? Or let's go top two. Top two cities and where you like to go to as far as restaurants or bars go. Well, that's usually a two-part question when people ask me because 
there's a lot of great hockey rinks that are not my favorite city. And there's a lot of great cities. Uh, bar none, my favorite city is New York City. Uh, I would always, I don't know why, but I would always, you just walk, you'd walk to the game and you walk down Broadway and you Times Square, you've got the billboards going. I'd always, you know, I'd always wear the extra, I'd wear a three-piece suit, I'd wear a vest underneath. Uh, you know, I felt like Frank Sinatra just walking wow. down Broadway and uh, you'd you come out after, you'd, yeah, you'd come out after the game and there was never any, there was never any rush to all, oh, you know, the rest, the restaurant and the hotel is closing in 10 minutes. You better get back there. I mean, you just, the options, it was just, the city never slept. It was just a great city. And probably Nashville is the same way. You get there great. a day early. You could, if you've never been to Nashville, there's live music in every bar. And my passion on the road, some guys wanted to play golf. Some guys wanted to see museums. I, I, I'd get an app see what live music was playing in every city I'd go to. Mm-hmm. And I always try and catch a concert. Um, you know, I, I'm not a, not an arena show. I'd catch a small quirky band that I, that, you know, band I liked. So for music, it was Nashville and, and New York city were probably my two favorite cities. Well, I bet your first of- time at the garden, you were, <laughs> that must've been pretty cool. It was amazing. Uh, you talk hockey, like the, I, I'm old enough and I'm fortunate enough that I worked all the old buildings other than the Olympia in Detroit. So I got to Boston Garden, Chicago Stadium, Maple Leaf Gardens, the Montreal Forum. Montreal Forum was cool. I grew up going to hockey games. Yeah. Uh, the Montreal Forum was something special. It was just the the lore, the the history of the building. And then to actually skate onto the ice in the Montreal Forum was, it was so cool. And the thing people don't realize too is your locker room was in a hallway. So I mean, between periods, like you had fans walking by, kicking your door, yelling at you. And then when it came time, the policeman knocked on your door and they all of a sudden formed this like line and the fans all this time. And you walk through the fans around the Zamboni and you'd come running down sort of the ramp. And literally, I kid you not, the, uh, they used to have to put ramps for the Zamboni to get from the ice off the ice. There was a drop of about, I don't know, 12 to 18 inches. So you'd come running down. You'd almost jump onto the ice in full stride. It was just it was the coolest feeling. I hate the Canadians, but I respect the hell out of their history. Yeah, I'm just going to leave it right there. Well, Maple Leaf Gardens was pretty cool as well. That was that was something special. Boston Garden, the rink was smaller than all the, all the other rinks. It was only 15 feet shorter, but it felt like it was 50 feet shorter. It was just amazing. Chicago Stadium, same way, and they had the big pipe organ at one end. Um, it was it was just the buildings now are beautiful, but they're all very similar. There was so much difference. Home team really had an advantage, I think, playing in their own building right. back then. Speaking of Joey Kosher, what about the Joe? That was a great building. Yeah, great really? building. Yeah. yeah, great building. Like people say, they talk about buildings being dumps. You know, the old uh, igloo in Pittsburgh, uh, things like that. We never had to sit in the stands or you know buy food in the concourse. We we were on the ice. And from being on the ice, those old buildings from a official's perspective and even probably a player's perspective, yeah, were fantastic. The old igloo in Pittsburgh, uh, the Joe, the Coliseum in Long Island, just great buildings. What about great the, atmosphere? Uh, what was Winnipeg's old arena called with Queen Elizabeth there? The uh, Winnipeg Arena, wasn't it? With the big uh, queen uh, hanging in the end zone? Yeah, wasn't that a treat, eh? That was fantastic, but it was colder than heck trying to leave the rink after the game. Your hair was wet. <laughs> Your hair was frozen solid between the time you left the rink and the time you got to the car. Hey, it looks like it's gelled though. Yeah. 
Okay, I had, I had like a legit good yeah. question. Oh, speaking of uh, uh, music, this is a while back now. Uh, I heard you like guitars and music. What kind of music are you into? I am into classic rock. I like country rock. When I say country rock, sort of Leonard Skinner, but more modern. Okay. You know, so, so I guess so, so Southern rock, I would say. Um, I do play guitar very poorly, but I have a number of guitars. I got a great guitar when I retired. Um, sorry, my 1500th game in my final year, my buddies bought me a uh, Les Paul with the NHL logo, sort of part of the body and my number of the neck uh, cool. from the from the factory in Nashville. And uh, yeah, you'll get like a like a silver skate for a thousand games. For a thousand games, you get a or a silver armband. It's just a fan no, doing this. <laughs> for a thousand games, thousand games, and actually for my fifteen hundredth game, which a lot of guys don't have the opportunity to do, you get a crystal. It's like a crystal from the league, and it has a little engraving in it, and a clock, and everything. It's wow. it's neat. It's 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 all about them acknowledging. You get to bring your family. My thousandth game was in Montreal. I had my entire family on the ice with me. Uh, my parents were there, and my wife and kids. It was pretty neat for them to be able to experience that. So I've got uh, I've got two left. First one is a couple of weeks ago, Sean Avery was coming out of retirement. Matthew Barnaby <laughs> said, "Sign me up, friend of the show." <laughs> were you excited as much as we were? I think everybody was excited. <laughs> and then what happened? They both realized, "Shit, we're both forty plus. We can't do this anymore." I have no idea. I have no intel on what happened. Well, we're gonna have Barney back on the show again here soon. I'll have to ask him that one firsthand. But uh, well, you should have Sean back on the show and ask him. We haven't yeah, had Sean on our show. I, I think that's part of the Barnaby. Uh, no, can't have Avery on if we got Barney on. So okay. <laughs> uh, one question I did ask you with. From when we started, question from the gallery was your ultimate goal foursome. I gave you a little time to think about it, Dave. Let's hear it. Yeah, I'm gonna go John Lennon. Whoa, Whoa. that's new. I like it. Yeah, um, first timer. First Frank timer. Sinat- Frank Sinatra. Oh, first timer. Rat pack. And Mickey Mantle. Oh, nice. That's a first. That is. You a thought first. I was gonna say just what everybody says, right? Tiger Woods. Tiger Woods. Yeah. Tiger Woods yeah. been, you're about the second person out of 113 episodes that did not say Tiger Woods. So I'm not playing with a guy that makes me feel bad about my golf game. <laughs> Garrett Rank already did that to me. So quick fun fact for you, Dave: the day John Lennon was shot and killed, okay. I was born. Really? Yes. A little fun fact there. So maybe it's a little re- reincarnation. Maybe you're uh... imagine all the people. Yeah, no, not so much. You're, yeah, you're kind of you're kind of like uh, Cam Jansen. He he went out on a different way too. He said uh, Elon Musk. So you went different with three different dudes. Oh, that was cool. What did you say, Dan? That was Sinatra, <laughs> Lennon, Mantle. Sinatra, Lan- yeah, old was was uh, Mantle number nine. But there'd have to be a caveat since we're talking fantasy here. They'd have to, t- they couldn't hold back. They'd have to tell me the stories. Oh, yeah. answer any question I wanted. Like you're going to do when you come <laughs> golf with us. Exactly. You know what? I'm a lot of fun in a golf tournament. There's no microphones around. Exactly. No hot mics. My We're last doing that. Question. I'm doing Tommy Lee. <laughs> <laughs> and Pam, uh, let's last question. Uh, one and a half, I guess you'd say. Usually we end the podcast with this question, but I'll ask the first part first. How important is communication you know, as referees as a young age and going farther in in their career, communication with coaches and players, I think it's very important. That's from a coach standpoint. I want to hear your point on that. And also 
what does it take, you know, to be, um, you know, I guess for a young listener today, what does it take to, you know, make it as a ref or a doctor or a lawyer, uh, just be successful in life? Well, you talk communication. When I was supervising, I really made a point of telling the referees, listen, you want to make the game as easy as possible for yourself. I know that sounds selfish, but why make the game hard for, why make the game hard for yourself, right? So if you have something you need to tell the coach, don't trust it to the captain. Don't play telephone. Go right to the coach and tell him. Use his name because that's a respect factor. I tweeted that last week. I saw, I didn't realize teams, they didn't do it, I don't think, in my era, but now they put up a little thing behind the bench with the referees' names and numbers on it for the players and for the coaches. They know who they're yelling at and call them by name or they can talk to them by name. And I think that that's really important. So when you're a referee, learn the players' names, learn the coaches' names. Don't say, hey, coach, or, or hey, blue, put your stick down. You know, when you say, Hey, Drew, put your stick down. It goes a lot. It goes a long way. Yeah, for sure. So, so I think communication is important, but you have to dictate the conversation. You can't just go every time a coach waves you over, you can't be going over because that's a delaying tactic and that's him running you. You go over when you want, when it's going to make your job easier, when you're going to get your message across and hopefully diffuse things, you take that opportunity and you go over. And it, sometimes it's a one way, it's a one way conversation. It's not necessarily a discussion. You tell him what you have to say. He might ask a question, but if he starts on a dissertation and telling you about this and what happened last call, that's when you end it. You skate away. Yeah. But I think a lot of that's missing. I think, and I think what happens is you talked about minor hockey. I think minor hockey, you get a lot of coaches now that yell at the referees and these referees are 14 years old. They're not equipped to deal with uh, an adult yelling at them. So they shy away from communication. Yeah. It's, it, it's sad, but I think to make it, when I was decided that I was going to go on the path when I was in junior hockey and I was really going to give it a shot, you do as many games as you can every night. I didn't get to major junior and say, well, now I'm only going to do major junior games. No, on my days off, I did Pee Wee and Adam games. And that's important. You do every game you can because I don't think you're ever going to do a game and not learn something about yourself and learn something about the game. Well said. Dave, I got one more quick one. It's, it's really not one more. But the Tori, none of your questions bars, are none of your questions are quick. Restaurants <laughs> and bars in in New York City and Nashville. Yeah. What about them? You didn't answer. You that wasn't a question. <laughs> it was part when I asked for the favorite towns. I said, "And what restaurants and bars?" Oh, Let's I see. Go. Okay, I see. New York City, my favorite place to go eat was um, a place that's no longer there. <laughs> I can't even think of the name of it anymore. It closed during COVID. <laughs> Blue Smoke. It was called Blue Smoke. It had a jazz bar in the basement okay. where they had live jazz seven nights a week. And upstairs was just a restaurant. Think of an upscale barbecue joint. Okay. Brass rails, high-end bourbon, um, just a great place to go. The, they used to have beef spare ribs that were the size of the ones Fred Flintstone had on his car in the, in the cartoon. <laughs> I double loved Flintstone it. reference this episode. <laughs> yeah, double Flintstone. That's my favorite favorite cartoon you never asked my favorite cartoon that, that's it's it the greatest the Flintstones um in Nashville hey Freddie you know we go we would go down to Legends Corner they had live music starting at pro, I, pro well I never walked in there and it wasn't live music so I don't know what time in the morning it started but it would go all day long and then you'd move down to obviously world famous Tootsie's uh, great music and then you move Tootsies. on a little longer to the stage where it was a much bigger location and they had some really good bands in there. 
Um, restaurants, we never that particular in, in Nashville about restaurants. Uh, the Palm was right across from the, from the rink. If you wanted a good mm-hmm. steak, you'd go in there. Um, but yeah, the, it was almost too many to choose from. You'd always try and explore and find a new like, one every, every time it, you got there. Is Tootsie's that the three level one right across from the rink behind the Hilton? Tootsie's is about two doors, two doors down from Legends Corner. Okay. Oh, okay. On the same side of the street. Yeah. And it hey. does have multiple levels. It didn't always, it seems to be every time I, I went there, it seemed to be bigger than it was the time I went before. It kept expanding. Yeah. I love it. Have you ever been to Toby Chief's bar in Oklahoma? I've never been to Oklahoma. Oh, I went there one time and I got there. I don't know how I got in there with, with, with the family and I got a bologna burger. This thing had no bun. It was bologna, fried bologna top, cold bologna in the middle, cold bologna, cheese, bacon, and a fried bologna in the bottom. It was literally this big. It was so big. Good and live music. So I love this. Was it good? And all they played was Toby Keith music the whole time. And I'm like, that guy is the coolest guy ever. And there's live music. So check it out. It's like going to Bubba Gump Shrimp Factory. What's that place like? <laughs> anyway. I think he's saying you don't get out a lot, Drew. I don't. <laughs> That is uh, true. Last question, Dave, for myself. You're out <laughs> on the golf course with the boys. You want to help have yourself a bevy? What's your choice? Uh, light beer. You can't. or Bud? Uh, well, I'm in Colorado Good. here now, so I'm not sure. You better say Coors because I was at the uh, plant. Got to be Coors. Denver. Yeah, yeah. Have you, have, you Coors, Coors. The, have you ever gone on the the brew tour in in, in Denver? I have not. I've lived here eight years. I probably should do it. It's awesome. And you feel really good when you leave. <laughs> Jay. Well, I'd like to have a game of golf with you guys one day. Absolutely. Man, hey, yeah, this be has been awesome. so much fun today. We had we asked some questions. You answered them all. We appreciate it. Uh, hope we can do it again, maybe before playoffs. We'll get you back on. Uh, we'll stay in touch. And thanks again, Dave. Appreciate it. Thanks, Dave. Thanks. Thanks for having me, guys. Last Mountain Distillery is a proud sponsor of the Hosel Podcast. Located and distilled in Lumsden, Saskatchewan, Last Mountain Distillery is a family-owned and operated located in Lumsden, Saskatchewan, the heart of grain country. Our success lies in our commitment in producing high-quality, handcrafted spirits. Our signature products include Saskatchewan's best-selling naturally-infused Dill Pickle Vodka, our naturally-infused organic cherry whiskey, apple pie moonshine, and more. Our craft distilling process brings out the full flavor of grain and leaves a smooth finish unlike any other. Be sure to check them out at any retailer around the province. Nothing better than supporting local and enjoying a taste for all. All right, man. Episode 113 with Dave Jackson. Not Alan, Dave. Boys, I, uh, I had a blast with that one. He answered every question that we had, I think, except for one Tory asked. Uh, good dude, though. That was a banger. Like, we lost connection at one point. We're now still using a, a hotspot to record this thing. Uh, but, hey, thoughts on the pod, man? Unexpected, awesome guest. Very, very insightful, especially uh, as an NHL ref and now analyst with ESPN. Um, give a lot of good answers to the questions we had. You know, we I even asked him, I said, like, are the questions we asking you good? And he said, 
yeah. So it's like, what did he actually say? This is one of the top-notch podcasts I've joined. That was his exact words, which kind of feels good, right, fellas? I mean, it was, that was a nice, nice pat on the back. It's a nice typical cap. Little be little behind the scenes. We talked to him after a bit, and he answered a couple more questions, but which we can't reveal because we don't want to ruin him. Him. He's a beauty. We're, we're in it. Awesome. He was here. so cool, man. Get him down cool. to Saskatchewan or Broder, Colorado, and golf with him. That, that, that guy is cool. We're going to him on before playoffs, too, or even right after the first round, like Tori said. Um, man, he's he's cool. Good dude. 1,600 some games in the NHL. A little bit longer one, but it's actually worth a listen. Yeah. They're all worth a listen, but it was a longer podcast because he had some good stories. So, <clears throat> uh, Troy has dinner plans. I'm exhausted. Tori, uh, what else we got here before we send off for the podcast this week? As it is a long pod. Uh, I think that's it. I hope everyone enjoyed it. That's that's all I got. All right, Troy. We'll talk to you next week, hopefully. Yeah, you bet. Uh, yep, yep, yep. Wednesday night. Are you there Wednesday night? Oh, it's a big one. Hold on a sec here. It's a big guess, man. Got to think. So I work Monday, Tuesday, days, Wednesday night, Thursday night. I'm out Wednesday, sorry, pal. I work night shifts Wednesday. I did. Is it the big one that we canceled on last week? I don't know. We'll talk about it after. Tori, we'll talk to you next week. Everyone else, have a day. See ya. Start to rush, but I'm too to dance, can't find a drink or